Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 753. Happy Halloween. Is this podcast actually stretching? Or is it your imagination? I don't know how a podcast stretches. No, I guess it's your imagination. Problem solved. Um, at Midnight's back next week, the first week in November. We had taken a, we had our normal hiatus week and a half off, but we will be back next week. I've been shooting the wall this past week, which has been super fun. And then also fun, comfortable tour dates. All right, I'm talking about myself too much. Apologies. But... Something that is not me related that I am very excited about. Uh, producer Katie sent over this email and said, If it's cool, I want to congratulate my friends who got married this past weekend. Of course it's cool. Um, this is uh, her friends Kat Moore and Hugh Hunter. And Kat actually owns a gallery where I bought a sculpture piece by Chris Cooksey. So I've met her. She is a wonderful woman. She and Hugh got married. They are an awesome couple. They have a dog named Banjo. We and the Nerdist community are wishing them all the best. And so I hope you're having a wonderful honeymoon or whatever you're doing, Hugh and Kat. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys in the future. Also from the Nerdist community corkboard, which you can reach by sending an email to events at Nerdist.com, Seek Donnelly uh, says, I'm a writer artist living in L.A. working for a comic company called OSSM Comics. And soon at Lego, I have four days off on my latest Kickstarter called The King of Neverland. It's a young adult novel with some beautiful art by Ashley Lanny. In the story, Peter Pan has killed Captain Hook. And because of this act of taking a life, a curse has fallen on him that has caused him to grow up. Now he's an enemy of the Lost Boys, ruling over the pirates as King of Neverland. It's a lot of fun, and even if you aren't a Peter Pan fan, I promise there's something you will love about the story. Go to Kickstarter and search King of Neverland. Well, that sounds awesome. So good luck to you, Seek Donnelly. Uh, again, events at Nerdist.com. If you have anything out there that you want to send to us, I am so excited and pleased to put this podcast out on this day and also what it means on this day. This episode is Bruce Campbell, who did not disappoint in any way and actually turned out to be one of my favorite people I've ever had on the podcast. I'm not trying to speak in hyperbole. I'm being legit. Bruce Campbell is not only sweet and cool, and but is so esoteric, beyond hilarious, amazing. I know you guys already knew this. What a perfect episode to put the king, Bruce Campbell on the Nerdist Podcast on Halloween. Also promoting Ash vs. Evil Dead, which I have been so excited about for so long 
The trailers look amazing. I've been excited since Sam Raimi came on and was talking about it. It premieres tonight, Halloween, at 9 p.m. on Stars. So, Bruce Campbell, Ash vs. Evil Dead, this podcast, I'm in love with this man, and uh, I hope I get to do a lot more stuff with him. So here's the, here's the Nerds Pod. He's also uh, Groovy Bruce on Twitter, if you didn't know. I'm sure you know. If you listen to this show, you probably know everything that I've just said. But uh, Bruce Campbell, you are the king. I am so honored to have you on our Halloween episode, the Nerds Podcast number 753. Whoa, what a scary number. Whoa. Katie? Roll the boo! Now entering Nerdist.com Is your Wookiee book? This is our this is our um, this is our guest book. Everyone I should give you a, a, a like a a book of the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have the handbook for the recently deceased. That's right up there. Beetlejuice. That's but pretty good. You, do you have a Necronomicon? Do you have a Necronomicon? Not with notebook? me because they smell like crap. <laughs> they smell like uh, a locker room. You know what? You're absolutely right. I think the next book should be the Necronomicon. Yeah. It's important. If you can do the Wookiee, just throw that in there. But what I'm afraid to open that one. If I open it, a bunch of bad shit happens. No, you just can't read aloud. That's it. I can open it. <laughs> just, I can, can browse. Yeah, just like keep moving. Just, so Okay, so you could have a Necronomicon in a Barnes & Noble, and then people could just go in and just read You can, it. but boy, the people who loiter at Barnes & Nobles are doomed. <laughs> Wait, I feel like the people who loiter at Barnes & Noble, someone did open a Necronomicon. They and, did. And then they all came out. They're living there. They're yeah. the, walking, the real walking the dead. The real actual walking dead. The new reality series. Have you noticed that? And those people have staked those chairs out way in advance. I mean, I feel like you could get there the minute it would open and be like, how the fuck is this guy already here? Like, they would, they, I don't, there's a portal. There's a portal that they're going in through. <laughs> no, they're regulars, and that's how they know. That's how they know, exactly. They've scoped it out for seven and years. And if you try to take a seat, they're like, that's my seat. And you're like, but it's Hey, not. man. Hey. Oh, whoa. Hey. I got my stuff there. <laughs> but see, in your case, you'd be able to go, I'm sorry, I'm Bruce Campbell. And they'd be like, oh, well, by all means, please take this. Not necessarily. Really? No, my little small town. There's, we got a little tall poppy thing going on Oh, there. you do? Yeah. You do. So it'd be like, because uh, you're Bruce Campbell. You drive too nice of a car, you might get cut off. All right. Yeah. I They're see. They're like, yeah. And plus, if you don't drive an American car, you're out of luck. Yeah, you're shit out of luck, son. You're, you're doomed. Well, my question to you is, how do you uh, go back and flaunt it in everyone's fucking faces that you're very successful now? No, the good news is in where I live, the... I'll be standing behind someone who has a fleece jacket on, completely covered in animal fur of some kind. Mm -hmm. They're worth a billion dollars. Sure. Because they are not showing it to anybody. They're not really interested. Yet, I just came from seven years in Miami where the house, they take the house, and they move it right to the front Mm -hmm. of the property. Right. Look at my house. (laughs) It's all about smoking. smoke. It's a sizzle, and they want you to see that. From the old country, if you come to see what they've got, this house that they're renting that they don't even own. Sure. The car they don't own. Right. Uh, So, yeah, Miami's a different ballgame. They want you to know it. Yeah, my mom's from Miami. I lived there for a little while when I was a kid. It's super flashy. It's super flashy. And drive however you want. 
Yeah, it doesn't matter. Also, well, drive based on where you came from. I mean, the guy from <laughs> Haiti, what does he know? He's merging how how they do it there. Yeah. It is a true um, automobile melting pot of driving skills. I call them oh my god moments. I had them just about every day on burn notice because we'd be <laughs> driving it all hours in weird places, and I realize half the people on the road in Miami have no idea where they're going. They're from somewhere else. They're visiting. They rented a car. Hey Miami, let's drive around to Miami, and then <laughs> they get to certain outskirts, which is always cor- how dare you make fun of the Swedish? It's always well, they get lost so easily. The Swedes. <laughs> You know, if it's flat, they don't know how to how to navigate. And if there's no ice, they're doomed. So they get mostly these people would get to the edge of like Coral Gables and go, well, that's that's turn around, and they'll just it's a full on UE. So a German felon. It's they're from all over, as you can imagine. Miami would be a melting. I pot. feel like burn notice is what happened. That that's the moment you shit your pants right before you get hit by uh, by a driver from Sweden. Oh, I've been put on burn notice. Blah, and then the car hits you, and then you're dead. Is that is that accurate? Uh, it's more accurate if you're on a bicycle in Miami. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, there's no infrastructure for bikes. Uh, there's about a quarter mile of bike paths in Miami. Oh my! God. I found them all. <laughs> They're interconnected by one sixteenth of a mile each on opposite sides of the road. Yeah. So you have to cross each road to get to the next hunk of sidewalk. Because in Miami, it's more like, well, I thought your brother-in-law was going to do the whole side of this street. <laughs> no, 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 no. My brother-in-law said every other section of the side of the street. That's twice the amount if you want the whole sidewalk. Oh, well, then no. No, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, let's let that sit for a decade. <laughs> Did you know they painted the Burn Notice studio out before we were done filming? What? We had this rickety old building. Yeah. It's a Pan Am building. It mm-hmm. used to be a, a for, well, American Airlines eventually. But Pan Am, it started. This was where FDR, the dinner key, where FDR took a, a pontoon plane, took off for whatever, Potsdam, and met with the other leaders during World War II. It was a secret mission. So the dinner key has history. So then this facility became an auditorium in the 60s. And Jim, um, who's, our, who's our Doors guy? Jim, uh, Jim Morris. Just, oh, Jim Morris. Jim Morris. Yeah. His, his whip it out moment was at that, in that auditorium. Oh, my god! Where we filmed Burn Notice. That is fantastic. His yeah. dick must be haunting that facility. I want to put up a six foot, a, a, a full-size Jim Morrison <laughs> with the hole missing, and you get to put your own thing through and take a picture. I, I'm telling you, man, it would sell, it'd sell big. Mean, you're sitting on a gold mine that you, and were, you don't even know you it. You don't even know it. You need to get back down there and make that. Jim that Morrison. was an aha moment. Yeah, and then, well, but one of the. Can I couple, ask you a quick question though? Yeah, is it too jokey if over the space is a tiny door, because he was in the doors, and then you open the door and then you get to put it through. Well, now you're getting a little obtuse, but that could happen. Okay, no, I pre- listen. You, you don't... know what? In your museum, do that. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I will. <laughs> in my rival Jim Morrison but dick pic museum, we had a couple women on the crew who were at that actual performance. Oh, wow. And the cops were so ready to arrest Jim Morrison. They were like, apparently he didn't even get it out. He oh. started to make, I'll you know, you people, I'm going to do whatever to you. Because he wasn't really sure what his name was at that point. <laughs> started to do something gesticulatingly, and the cops were like, Fum! The cops faced him. They didn't face the 
crowd. Right. That was the difference with the doors. They were always like, what is Jim Morrison going to do now? Now, do you feel like it's that they were going to a restaurant where they were like, I want to see it first. Like, maybe they were scrambling to... There could have been a, uh, a melee started yeah. around what could have happened, but apparently it, never, it did. never happened. And they forgave him while we were shooting Borton Notes. There was a proclamation. They forgave the Jim Morrison. Squire it, it was Yeah, it was a penis proclamation <laughs> that you're off the hook, Jim. I think you mean a cocklamation. That would be even better. Now, I don't want this to deter your plans for this museum, even though it didn't actually come out, because this is really a great idea. Well, no, I'm going to continue the story. So now it's a rickety building. Every time it rained there during the show, which was every day, uh, water would collect in giant trash cans all around the studio. Yeah. And when they were told to take care of that water problem, they did. They just rerouted it through, through a crazy person's series of tubes and channels sure. into even larger uh, 55-gallon <laughs> drums, which would be drained, I guess, after the green stuff starts floating on the top. Let's drain it. Sure. So we had a little bit of that going on. So the place needed to be torn down desperately. But the city, the guy, one of the guys on the city council was like, it's such a coincidence that I'm a real estate lawyer slash developer. <laughs> no. Hmm. So we found out that they wanted to not renew our lease, even though we were employing. We had a whole list of everybody that we employed for seven years oh down there God. on that show. Even when we started to lose the local merchants, like the hotel guys across the street were like, are you kidding me? You know how many hotel rooms I get a year from burn notice from all the actors sure, we sure, bring yeah. in? Left all the restaurants. You know those actors. They're always boozing it up. Yeah, that's spending. what they love the to do. Yes, that's what, that's it what on. goes. Booze. You might as well just pay them in bottles. Yeah, and broads. <laughs> so they, um, they, they made a bunch of noise. But what eventually I started to find out where who was making all this noise of what company wanted to do whatever. And it was a real estate company. And you went to their their website. It was a beautiful website. They were going to build these two towers, two giant towers that were these really luxury condos. And behind that was the was two other hotel towers and they just removed one from that picture cuz okay. there's only one two tower sure. building here. Yeah. It's forget the this other one. Right. That's right. just they just decided you, to you do the one. You probably won't see that. No, so let's just do the one. Just the one is yeah. there. Yeah. And then our entire uh building, which was I don't know, a million square feet, was removed from the picture because they wanted to show the view. Oh. And we were in the middle of the view. And it was gonna become their own personal park sure. across the way. And guess what? Hmm. It's their own. They it's done. <laughs> they did it. They did it. Oh, I thought this was gonna have a happy ending. Oh no! It's a. <laughs> oh, it's a. No. It's a. Rip the thing down. That thing was gone so fast after we were out of there. I think it, last van is pulling away with the last burn <laughs> burned wreck. <laughs> I, I wanted to push the button. That would have been cool. But no. take it down, and then it was gone. And now it is a. It's it's a park. Oh my god! It's a park. They did it. That's ridiculous. That son of a gun. That guy. Mr. You little know who your name is. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. Mr. Real Estate Don't tell developer. me you don't follow me around. Yeah. It's way. How did you know where to find me in that building? Huh? Huh? But now. So anyway, that it shows you, though, life goes on. Yeah. We built a castle for Army of Darkness back in 91 in, on this ranch. 
And this thing was a 300, like it was about a 270 degree castle that we built. Mm -hmm. We needed a lot of it. And what are you going to do with it after we shot it? Apparently, they left it for over a year when we were gone. They shot some music videos there. Yeah. Because you're going to do that. Lights and torches and run around. Hey, there's a castle in the desert. We got to <laughs> use that, man. It's going to be awesome. And then they finally tore it down. And I remember I did a show called The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Uh, it was a Western. I adore that show. Which was like three years after Army of Darkness. I chased bad guys right where the castle was. Oh, so and they I, took I'm it like, down. I, I rode over my grave. <laughs> but it, it's amazing, though. It just shows you, okay, we're going to use it for that. Three years later, we're going to use it for that. I can't imagine how many the stories that the sets have. Well, you uh, know what it tells you? That in our business, never get attached to anything. Oh, my God. I'm a backlot writer, though. I took a Sharpie when I was doing this Briscoe show. Cause it, was on, it was on the Warner Brothers backlot, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's a cool backlot. Yeah, over in Burbank? Yeah. Yeah. And behind all the standing sets, like the New York Street sets, because they're not going to tear those down right away. Right. Those are good for 20 years, probably, because it's, here's a tour of the, here's our New York Street. The permanent streets, you had a little bit of stability. But I went behind a lot of those doorways and put my name and put the date and signed it. So it's not worth anything to anybody. But if I see those, I saw one. I did. I went to Lois and Clark after I did Oh, my gosh, Brisco. Lois and Clark. Yeah. They were on the same lot, same everything. And so I played bad guy for three episodes. And I had to come out one of the same doors, and I looked up, and there was the signature. I went... Well, just time marches on. <laughs> President Reagan. It was almost a, a wistful moment. Oh, that's so that's so nice. I mean, you've gotten to you've gotten to work on such great stuff. I that's mean, how you know that was an icebreaker for James Garner. What? If you meet James Garner, if you meet anybody famous, do you have a plan? Uh, shit my pants. It helps. No, it helps to have a plan. I, I my plan is that I don't bother anyone anymore. I, I but used... sometimes you have to. I had to. I Hap- to it happened premiere. Sunday. Happened to me Sunday. I went to a premiere with Jack Lemon. He was in the movie, and James Garner was in the movie. It was this pres- comedy president movie. Yes, yes. I didn't care about the movie one way or the other. I was like, I'm gonna meet James Garner. Yep. I'm gonna. So I got Jack Lemon quick. He was sitting down with his family. I went, I don't care. You're here to function. <laughs> you're here to function. You're not. At, you're not at a private dinner. At not Chasen's. at a restaurant. Yeah. No, not here. This is mm-hmm. it. So. I knew his son. I worked with him as an apprentice. Right Chris after Lennon. High- Chris Lemon. Chris Lemon. Right, ap- right after high school. We, he was, we had the same birthday, six years older. So I said, Mr. Lemon, just wanted, I just, what a great time I had working with your son after high school in 1976. And he, Jack, was like, yeah. I mean, nothing. Blanksville. But then his wife went, oh, the Cherry County Playhouse. And Jack went, oh, I remember that. And then we had, I engaged him for like the 30 seconds, got to meet him. Yep. Go. I know to go. Yep. But James Garner, I'm like, where is he? Where I got to get him. <laughs> he was in the back of the restaurant in a corner with three guys with their backs facing out. Oh, sure. He wasn't, no one was getting to him because he was, I got to go to this thing, but I'm not going to like it. You can tell. <laughs> That's exactly what was the approach. No, you can't make me no, go either. Doggone it. All right, I'll go, but I ain't talking to no one. You know how I hate these things. <laughs> done this for 40 years for Christ's sake why do I keep doing so I went ah oh, crap I'm doomed I'm doomed but then as luck would have it a doddering guy is walking along and hits a raised piano stand oh 
He goes, he face plants. He goes straight down. He's wearing glasses, and they blew apart in two directions. And he, it was such force. Like, man, we were like, oh, Jesus Christ. Me and a couple other guys, we grabbed him up, scooped him up, grabbed his glasses, took him back into the kitchen. He had, like, cut his nose from the glasses. And so we, one of us, like, taped his glasses together like a science project. Sure. And, and you know, we mopped him up. And thank you, son. You, you saved my life. What's your name? It's uh, Bruce Campbell. My name's Jack Garner. What? Jack Jack Garner. Sounds Jack, familiar. What, what, is, is your brother Jim Garner? Oh, Jim, yeah, he's right over there. Oh, so that's your brother, is James Garner. Yeah. Oh, well, boy, <laughs> boy, it'd be great to meet him. Come on, I'll take you. Oh. He grabs me and he pushes through the two other, the three goons that were around him. Jim, come here. I want you to meet the kid who saved my life right here. And so James Garner's like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Why am I talking to him? But I got him with uh, the Warner Backlot. He did Maverick. Of course. In the 60s. That back, the Backlot was gigantic. And they were everywhere. All of Burbank. So I worked on the same Western Backlot, but 20 years later. And that's how I got him. I'm like... Just want you to know, it was a pleasure to work on Laramie Street. I know you've been there a million times. And, of course, his, his eyes lit up. He's like, oh, Laramie Street. Yes, I remember Laramie Street. <laughs> oh, you should have seen it then. And I knew I'm like fist pumping. Nice. I went, I got him. I got Jimmy. All, all that had to happen was his brother had to shatter his nose, and then you had to drop the weapon <laughs> and, and get his fifth concussion. <laughs> I can't feel my face, but I want you to meet my that boy. kid. Whoever his name was, I forgot everything now. I, I've lost a lot of blood. So you got to have the right approach, and Shatner would be the th for third triumvirate of how I got him. Yeah, and did you have a good Shatner story? Oh, baby. Please. Because... Okay, that's my hero. Watch the original Star Trek. Everyone can have their adventure Babylons and their, you know, uh, spinoffs and next generations. I got that. You go ahead with that. I want Shatner. Yep. There was nowhere to meet him when I was a kid. You know, these conventions weren't as ubiquitous as they are now. Right. So finally, these in some green room, you know, we're always going passing each other at these conventions because Shatner does a lot of these. Mm -hmm. He's 84. He's like, come on, where's the next convention? I'm going to fight a bear. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't stop me. <laughs> so I finally saw him. and I'm, I'm like, not a pussy like Garner. I'm like, I can't go. I can't do Star Trek. I can't throw that down. You know, Mr. Shatner, I love Star Trek. Right. That'll go. Yeah. And I'll be a loser and a moron in his eyes for the rest of his life. Right. What did I do? I don't know what you do. I nailed it is what I did. <laughs> T.J. Hooker. <laughs> I watched T.J. Hooker. There's only two shows that I tape record. T.J. Hooker, Lawrence Welk. They are both amazing on multiple levels. On a one, T on a two. Uh, but the, the wardrobe is just, the clothes they had alone on Lawrence Welk were just so great. But with T.J. Hooker, it was like the hair show. Yep. Uh, Heather Locklear is like nine in that show. Her hair, her hair is exploding off the top of her head. This blonde, backlit, you know, thing. She was like a dandelion walking around. And then Adrian Zemed, whose hairline started at his eyebrows, so he had all the hair he needed. He, he had like way too much. He had like nine people's hairs. And then James Darren was in it. Now on Voice to the Bottom of the Sea, when I watched that show in the late sixties, he had the hair. Yep. Now he's. He's just have to work it a little more. Yeah. A little more time in the chair. Yep. But he's got it. 
Shatner, forget it. Get the raccoon out. <laughs> and there were a couple seasons where he had a really good hair enhancement. Call it what you will. And it looked great. <laughs> it looked great. And other years, Zambo the tent maker was in because I don't know where <laughs> Luigi went. It must have been a contract thing. Shatner pissed him off. I don't know what it is. That thing is up and ready to pounce. But it's also the Give all, it away from the garbage. All of the uniforms were completely tailored, tight, and they were shiny. But the most most impressive thing was the Shatner power slide. He would pull up to all the crime scenes. And they would hold. He comes screaming right up and then stop. And they keep shooting and Shatner gets out. Mm-hmm. So there's really no doubt that that was a Shatner power slide. Yeah. No, there were no cuts. And I remembered it over. It happens over and over again. So next time you watch it, you'll see it. He'll do the Shatner power slide. Well, when the fiance and I get together tonight to uh, watch our TJ Hooker. USA, like we do every you know, night. USA has a digital network. No, no uh, Universal. Universal. So you can HD. watch it. On, so how did, what did you drop on him that made him open up about TJ Hooker? I asked him how he did it. The power I, slide. I said, I could tell that that was you. And those are not simple pull-ups. You could have smashed into the back of these cars. He goes, the producers didn't want me to do that. <laughs> I go, really? So that's how you, you, know, you can bait an actor. Really? Tell me about that. Well, uh, they thought I'd, I'd, I'd wreck the car. But I learned how to do it. He worked with the stunt guy. <laughs> you feathered the emergency brake. So the stunt guys would shave it down so it doesn't stick. So you feather it. It's counterintuitive. You're driving. It's a four-part maneuver. First, foot off the gas. Second, hand on the emergency brake. You can still steer with the emergency brake. That's the fundamental difference. You can't steer with the brake. So now, foot off the gas. Feather the emergency brake. Start your steer. Right before you stop, hit the real brake. And you'll stop on a dime. And he was absolutely right. I go to do Ash versus Evil Dead. Yes. We have, there was a scene where Sam Raimi wants me to pull up in front of a bar in my crappy car, my Delta 88, and do the, the power slide. I'm like, okay, I think I know how to do this. So we get out to, we went to an airstrip outside of Auckland, New Zealand. And they were like, all right, mate, let's give it a go. So I'm like, so let me get this right. Is this a four part maneuver? Oh, yeah, yeah. Put off, feather it, steer, pop. And that's exactly how they did it down there. So I pulled up in the pilot, you know, did the Shatner power slide. It worked exactly how it should. I get out, the camera keeps rolling, I get out. You know, it was not anything that was going to light the world on fire, but it was a precision stop, let's call it that. Yeah, so, which was Shatler, Shatner in origin. Shatner's power slide. So next time I see him, I have not seen him since I personally performed his power slide. So there's a high five green room moment when I see him next. Does he, when you run into him, does he remember you now? He does eventually because I always find him, I pay my respects, and I leave immediately. Yeah. He likes that a lot. Yeah. That you just leave. Because he was amazing on this podcast a couple, maybe a year ago. I mean, amazing. He's out of control. But then I saw him at Comic Con this past year, and I think in my head, well, we have this relationship that we've established. Who are you? Why are you talking to me? You're in my eye line. Back off, buddy. You're not shooting anything. What, what eye line? Where are the cameras? Yeah, where are you? I don't know. Uh, t- tell him, James Garner. And he starts to James Garner's ghost. Well, there I was, walking down Laramie Street. <laughs> but he, 
he really is. I mean, he is a force of nature. He is. He's he was three wheeling motorcycling across the country. He he's uh he has eighty seven causes now. Yeah, he's he goes from one charity event to the next. But don't you feel like? I mean, in all seriousness, when you get up into your eighties, yeah, you really probably. Don't want to just sit around and wait to get older. You probably want to be as engaged as possible, and that's how yeah. he stays so sharp. I'm not going to retire. Never. To be a what? A crappy golfer? Yeah, you don't need that. No, well, it's a it's it's a weird mindset. Now I'm because we watch when I, I moved up to rural Oregon in the late '90s to get away from it all, and all my neighbors had pretty much done the same, and it was amazing to watch them flame out one at a time. As couples, because we're retired, we're going to go out into the wilderness and build a cabin, and boy, it's going to be great. Oh, my God. Who are you? You're staring at me for eight hours a day. Who are you? Oh, yeah, because that's not that was not their normal relationship dynamic. No, they saw each other one hour a day on the move. Hey, man, how are you doing? Oh, good. <laughs> You're the best, I tell you. All You're right. the best. <laughs> so long, sweetheart. <laughs> be back later after rehearsal. Uh, yeah, so different ball game. Uh, so there's a big adjustment period to this false sense of what a career is and all that. Shatner's are, those guys are great inspirations. Stan Lee, he's ninety, ninety-one or, 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 or over ninety. Could be, yeah. You know, in the green room, yeah, he's napping. Sure, but he's there. But when it's time to bring it, he yeah. brings it. Red and tat tat. Stan <laughs> Lee is hilarious. He's like a '60s ring a ding ding guy. Oh, he is. You really expect him to have like, hey, hey, let's go. He's got the, th- you know, he's oh, his hair's always looking good with the aviator glasses and the members only jacket. There he's, are so few people that can pull off to the whole. Uh, uh, it's an honor to meet me. You know what I mean? Like, he, there's so few people Malaprop that could pull, Joe. That, yeah, yeah they could they could pull that off, and he absolutely. Yeah. Well, like on sometimes on our eight by tens for Evil Dead, you know, Beast Witches. Yeah. Saw you later. You know, he was <clears throat> he's been on twice, and the second time, sometimes it's hard to get him out of that mode because I think in his mind, uh, oh, people expect me to be this guy. I'm the guy. Yeah. yeah. And we talked for a little while, and then something – we finally, as I, I just kind of digging around to see what he was interested in, we hit upon, like, old-timey radio, and he and the character dropped. Yeah. And he just talked like a guy, and, yeah, and it was yeah. so – a whole other side of him. We'd where gather I was like, around the radio and <laughs> make marshmallows and listen to – the shadow. I mean, it kind of was exactly like. I mean, it was exactly like that. And, and that was so, your lifeline, the radio. And it really, it was really interesting to see, like, oh, this other side of you, which is probably more the real Stan, is equally as charming and lovable as the as the carnival. Hey, person. as a podcaster person, yes, you sir. might appreciate this. Yes. I call it the Big Five. Okay. There's very few entertainers, and it's hard for any modern entertainers to do this now. We'd have to recreate what the Big Five is. Okay. Big Five is vaudeville. Mm-hmm. Broadway, yep. radio, television, movies. Right. Very few have done it all. A bunch of the schmoes back in the 30s, though, because radio was so huge, on top of everything else, you'd have your Lux radio show with right. Cary Grant. Hello, everybody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice to see you. And that's just what you did. You went from radio and you Say, did who's on first? Wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be here. 20 minutes ago, I was having a martini. <laughs> but a lot of those radio guys transition pretty seamlessly into television because a lot of those radio shows morphed into television. Or tele- Alan television Ladd show. went from radio to being a tough guy in movies. Right, right. He had a voice, so they went, well, 
Just put the shrimp in front of the camera. <laughs> put them on boxes. So are, is there a big five now? I don't know. You'd have to get the internet. It'd have to be anchoring because you'd have to you have to take away vaudeville now. You still have Broadway. Yeah. Still have radio. Yeah. You know, guys like Howard Stern were still fat in radio. Yeah. He, yeah. Big... He he managed to conquer film, radio, television, yeah. satellite radio. Yeah. But the question is now, what is what is yeah what what takes place of vaudeville uh, shoved on the other side? Mm, I don't know. I mean. Uh, there will always be live entertainment, I think, because it's just too novel. I mean, I, stand up, you know, stand up, st- stand up, but it's not I stand mean, up could be close to vaudeville, but it's without the gags, really. Vaudeville always had the physical, it also had the variety aspect. We don't have a lot of variety shows either. No. Everybody had a variety show. Yeah, the Dean yeah. Martin variety show ran for ten years. The yeah. less he gave a crap, the more it made. <laughs> well, how about if I just came in and sing one song every month? Okay, Dean. That's even more popular. Once a year is good, guys. It's almost like the less people could have him, the more they're like, we got to have him. I love that guy. He's the best. Let's just Where's put he been? I don't, he's been right here the we whole time. keep watching. All right. Yeah, because there's nothing else on. Meanwhile, I'll buy Canoga Park, California. <laughs> hey, it's all, it's all right if we re- relocate a lot of the people who live there? What do you think? All right, what do you think? Hey, move on, guys. All right, come on, guys. I mean, it. you know, having worked on so many different things, would, would you want to be a radio guy? Do you like radio? Would you? Because I feel like you should probably do I think podcast. I think radio is, is really cool because that's how Sam and I met, Sam Raimi and I. Um, I dropped typing. In high school, I got for some dumb reason. I didn't. I didn't ask to be put in anything. I just wound up in high school and had classes and just took them. And one was typing, and I'm in the middle of typing, looking around, going, "There's 30 people who. Why do they know how to type already? <laughs> why they're flying away? Like you know, looking at their watch and pulling sheets out. And I'm going, yeah, pop, 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 pop. Within three days, I I was like, I went to a counselor. I didn't even know where the counselor was in the school. Hi, uh, can I drop a class? They're like, well, sure. I'm like, really? What, what, what do you want to take? I'm like, what do you got? So radio speech. I saw that one. Yeah, radio speech. Let me do that. So Sam Raimi was in the radio speech class, and we started to do the morning announcements uh, every Friday morning. And, of course, those were full of cheap, you know, cheap gags and beyond. And, and that's how we got in with the radio speech teacher who was also the drama teacher and you were not going to get in those school plays unless you went through him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has to be the gatekeeper. He was the gatekeeper. We didn't know that till our second year of high school. We went, <laughs> we think he's the gatekeeper. So <laughs> make nice with we him. got through the gatekeeper, and then we were, we were little Broadway stars in high school for the last couple of years of high school. We, oh, we got in. That's great. And so the, the morning announcement, what was a typical campbell Ramey morning announcement? Like? Um, we, we let the, our teacher be the, the announcer. Uh, next week, it was Captain, the adventures of like Captain Nemo. It was, um, it was an adventure. It was a continuing serial. Oh, wow. And I was, I was Wood Eye, his assistant. And so it was, it was a, we were a bunch of pirates going around the world. A little Monty Python-ish. Yeah. Fire Sign Theater. Fire Sign Theater, yeah. We were, we were big fans of that because they sort of made their own sound effects and it was really cool to listen to him in stereo. Yeah. There was something really cool about that. You know, they still do that in England. There's still very much like radio plays and, like and serialized. And here, I mean, you know, we have podcasts. There are certainly fictionalized podcasts. Yeah. But, but Bruce, you, you should absolutely – I feel like a podcast is inevitable for you because you have great stories, because you like talking to people, and you can – But what do you do? What This whole podcasting at all, it's like, it's like smoke and mirrors to me. 
This no, podcast translates into what? You just talk. Oh, you mean right? What, what is it ultimately? And people go, I like how that guy sounds. And they listen to you. <laughs> yes. Which, and then what happens? Advertisers go, well, it seems like we've got quite the listenership mm-hmm. here. That's right. Yeah. I think that's worth That's right. Adam West out. comes in. And, and uh, hello. How are you? He's just, he's so awesome, Adam He's West. awesome, too. He inspires me, too. He is amazing. He's, that guy seems like he's never had a bad day. I met him randomly in like 1983 at a American film market party. I was like, oh my God, that's Adam West. Nicest guy on the planet. And out of nowhere, he goes, I just got a marvelous residual chick from Hooper. <laughs> like, what? What? Do I, what the hell's a residual chick? I didn't even know what that was. He's such a nice dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wish I was having a martini right now. <laughs> have you? You don't have to say who. Have you had disappointments when you've met heroes before? Oh, that's pretty standard. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've disappointed. There's one. There was a woman who's a fan who came up to a table at a signing and she goes, "Did you enjoy the present?" Uh oh. And I went, um, "Yep, I, uh, <laughs> yes, I yes, sure and. did. Yes, I and. sure did enjoy that present." And she goes. Um, you know, did it fit? Yeah, oh, boy. Now we're getting like, she's going to try and draw some specific answer out of me. But uh, it's, So I had to give the, yes, it fit, yet it didn't fit. You know, I, that was great. And she proceeded to tell me the three other times that she had met me and all the other things that she gave me. And surely, Bruce, you would remember this. And then you remember I gave you that, and in this city I gave you that. And I, if I was on the witness stand, I, you just would shout to the judge, just get the bailiff. Just take me out of here. I, I, I quit. I'm I, guilty. I, this, I cannot defend myself yep. from this. I have nothing to say that is going to help the situation. And she just did a slow turn away, oh. never to return, oh. you know. Again, and you did your, but you're doing your best in that situation. And there's so like when people are coming up at that, I've heard it both ways though. One guy sent me an email and he goes, "Hey Bruce, just want to let you know I met you at the airport uh, and you were kind of an asshole to me." And I thought that was kind of cool <laughs> because they didn't want to see some oh grabbing hands. Oh, thank you so much for oh, let's get pictures of everybody. Yeah, some actors will they'll go that way too. Yeah, I've... and it and it blows it. It's bad in another way because they go, oh, that guy who plays those characters, oh, he shouldn't be. Oh, he's just like a loosey goosey guy. Yeah, he just, does. He's just not take pictures of anybody. He's not like that. Like Burt Lancaster, I kept hearing would walk around in schmate sweaters, ill fitting sweaters and pants. You just throw on and loose fitting, you know, tennis shoes. Yeah, I'm like, not not Burt Lancaster. Yeah, no, he's got a he's got a bird lag. You got to be in a suit all the time, Bert. He probably just needed to do that to balance out the other guy. My dad met him late at a bar, late late at night. My dad was an ad man. He was a Detroit madman for oh. thirty years, fifties, sixties, and seventies. Oh wow, great stuff. And so he uh, came back from some event. I'm sure he was lubed up pretty good. <laughs> and he, he sees Bert Lancaster. He goes, Bert Lancaster. Charlie Campbell. I mean, you know, it was always Charlie Campbell, sales guy. Oh, I wish his name had been Pete Campbell. And Bert looked at him and he goes, of course you are. <laughs> and just turned away. <laughs> Conversation was no. over. 
Well, you... some of those guys, there was such like in those days, there was such a separation. There's a big firewall between Massive. between movie stars, oh, yeah. and common mouth breathers. Oh. you know now the lines are so blurred. People, are well, so it's connected. like this, you know, the MGM. Yeah, hello. Oh, Gable. Mm-hmm. He's under the... He, what booth? What booth? All right. Uh, all right. Seal it off. Uh, don't let anybody else in chasing. Okay, yes. yep. Be right there. <laughs> Jenkins. Uh, Galgate Clark. Yep. Same booth. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Click. And it would be done. And Clark's, what do you pick? I'm not drunk. And they take him home and... It's all done. It's he, all... he accidentally murdered three busboys, and uh, they, they covered it up. And well, that put might him take the, a little longer. Put him in the yeah, chili. Might... And, uh... No, Clark Gable is awesome because he never lied ever to the press, and they had to get him away from the press because they he did an interview. Well, Clark, you finished. You know, just won an Academy Award for, you know, it happened when I – well, it's, it's all a bunch of hokey, isn't it? <laughs> an actor doesn't make up his lines. He doesn't really know anything. They tell you where to stand. They tell you what to wear. They drive you around. What does an actor do after all? I don't know. Smile a lot. Look like he's perky. It's really just a bunch of hunk, actually. They were like, ah, no. They grabbed him. They hustled him off to, to where I live in southern Oregon, to the Rogue River. Uh, Clark, go, go fishing. Do you, do you like to fish or hunt? Well, not really. Well, learn. <laughs> After every movie, they would just send him away in between assignments to the Rogue, Rogue River. And after a while, he's like, you know what? I kind of like this. They could just leave me the hell alone when I'm not working. I like that. So he basically, from that point on, never spoke to the press ever again. It was all they would write all of his stuff for him, send him away on lovely little trips. And I married would, a bear. Why can't I marry a bear? It would build, it, it would build his image, too. People just say, "Well, about hunting and fishing." Oh, of course. Well, that's what Clark Gable would do. I shoot and take my take Carol Lombard, and we're gonna drink and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's kind of the cool. You were following in those footsteps in a way. You got to you got out there. Those books are really handy. Those mm-hmm. old time. I read every old time actor book I can find. Every new time actor book I can find. They're so helpful for what the Clark Gable one was awesome. They had the memos going back and forth. Between his first wife, who was clearly blackmailing MGM, that the word was going to get out because she made Clark Gable. She found him on Broadway, you know, taught him how to act, taught him how to stand up straight, fix your teeth, all this crap. And so now he's, you know, a long time when, like, Gone with the Wind starts percolating up. She sends this memo. Well, I, I've got this wonderful screenplay idea, and maybe, maybe you could purchase that. Or I'd hate for all this information to get out about how I discovered a very ill-prepared Clark Gable oh, from professional Did work. it work? I'd, I'd, they kept, they would like give her an option to a screenplay. <laughs> like they'd write back and it would be this, boy, that sounds like a great idea. We'll do that right away. And they would, they would just bullshit her for years until things would just go away. They would just drag it out. Has the business, do you think the business has changed at all since those books, or do you see a lot of the same? Well, when you see the Sony uh, emails come flying around, oh, sure. you realize, like any sort of cottagey industry, you're going to have a lot of tight affiliations between clients and executives, and sometimes it's a little precious, and sometimes, as you can see by those emails, when it turns... It turns. I'm yeah. like, that guy's a jerk and a moron. Can you believe we were working with that guy? Right. And then other times it'll be, oh, you're so talented. It's like if one email goes this way, the other email goes that way. But so, is that really that surprising to no, anyone? It no. shouldn't be. No. It shouldn't be. But I think 
now that everyone loves to see how the sausage is made, it's all over anyway. Yeah. It really is. You make a two-hour movie, you have to have 17 hours of extras. And then here's day one behind the scenes. You go, oh, really? Day oh, yeah, one. of course. Nothing happened on day one. To sell the DVDs or to, to it's push amazing. the digital download stuff. Yeah, people yeah. are really amazed by that, I guess. I guess. I'm not sure what they're learning. But, you know, my feeling about deleted scenes, what the hell are you showing those for? They were deleted <laughs> for a reason. Even the filmmakers very often were like, get rid of that. And sat there like a lump, nuke it. So, you know, I don't know. I'm a little dubious about all that. How do you how do you see yourself? I mean, in terms of how do you perceive yourself? Cuz I, you know, well, I'm necessarily I, different than anybody else. But I mean, of of course, in an existential way, of course. But I mean, you know, but but the you know, but the title of your book, you know, uh this idea of like I'm owning the fact that I'm a B actor. You're not really I mean, you are really kind of an A guy. I've done a lot of, of small parts in big movies, big parts in small movies. I don't. You're you know? not. I mean, is that you? How, but how do you? See if you yourself? can, it, man, I'll grab that spot if I can get it. I'll take it. One guy called me the Gregory Peck of B movies. I'm like, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. Stop right there. I'll cut your goddamn head off with this chainsaw. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just it's a little different. Same approach, though. You want like Ash as a series now? Ash Which versus Evil looks Dead. So amazing. Well, now the trick is, this is where, well, the, the knives are going to come out eventually. We've, we've gotten some soft sizzles so far. I think the nostalgia is working for us. All those decapitations, weren't you know, those a ball not, way back just then? Deca- it's not just nostalgia, though, because the, the world is replete with nostalgia. As a matter of fact, there's yeah. almost a little, like, we need a break from nostalgia. But what's <laughs> great about Ash vs. Evil Dead is that it, it looks up, it, like, tonally, it looks like it picks up. At a million miles an hour, right where it left off. It and does. it's the same. And the only problem may be that other directors are not as fearless. Right. Sam will put me in a man girdle and, and <laughs> pop dentures in within 30 minutes. I mean, the opening scene, the hero is in a man girdle. And, you know, he's putting the d- hair dye in his hair. It's like only Sam could get away with that because other writers would go, oh, uh, oh man, I don't know. That's just, whew, that's, that's. Yeah. And then with Sam, it's like, no, he's drinking out of a juice box and he's listening to Deep Purple, you know. Nostalgia for nostalgia's sake is focusing on the wrong things that made something good to begin with. It's I focusing on the surface But elements. if it helps us a little bit now, I'll no, take of a course. Bit of it. But but the chemistry that you guys have mm. together and and the 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 magical thing that happens when this gets made when this kind when the when Ash comes back. I mean it's yeah. everything seems like it's there. Well, good. And we tried to make it there. You know, we tried to give them everything that they need. Like any show, the first seasons are always going to be a little bit of like, what is it? <laughs> you know, the scripts will come in and you'll give notes and stuff like that. And uh, you find it. And some stuff you find right on the page and some stuff we had to squeeze out on the set. But we also have that ability to do that. Yeah. The beauty of this, the reason why I'm willing to go to New Zealand again, this is my fourth TV show there now. Oh, wow. What else? What Hercules, else? Oh, right. Xena, Jack of All Trades. Yeah. And now this one. I'll go there because we really have a free hand. And when push comes to shove, like I had a manager years ago, I'd go down to do Hercules. And he goes, You know, and the, all managers talk like Thurston Howell. <laughs> when you go down there to New Zealand, you know, you might as well be dead. Those, <laughs> these syndicated shows, what do they add up to? I mean, really? It's not broadcast, you're not reaching any great amount of people. I'm like, well, then you don't know what I do. 
because we could go down there on these shows. I directed a bunch of Herks and Zenas as well. We got away with murder on a, a, a daily basis because there was no studio. It was syndicated. Right. So who's going to – where's the nitpicker guy? If we get a note, we'd go, oh, we shot that four days ago. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And that was back when you'd ship the footage – and it would take two days to get there, and then they have to develop it. So literally, the notes were always three days away. And we would always go, oh, we're on to the next episode. <laughs> so we, it, it was very spoiling to work like that. Because then when you go back and work in the States, it's, it's not that. The, the, the writers are way more part of the process. Yeah. Do you like directing? I, I love directing. You know, especially, but again, I love directing in an environment where... If something's not working, I can change it on the spot. Right. Uh, I've worked on so many shows. Oh, he wants to. Oh boy, he wants to add a line. All right, hold, hold on, hold on. Let's let's call the front office. And you have to literally get a single line of dialogue that's added, approved. I'm burn notice. I'd throw everything at the end because I knew they could just cut it off. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to change the plot, but right. some scenes need a button. That and, the writer doesn't always think about. And if it works, great. And if not, you cut Keep it Keep it. And yeah, it's no, no skin off anybody's neck. But I think that's, the, that's sort of the spirit of coming from a background where you have to be really scrappy and figure out how to make stuff and do stuff on the fly and, and be flexible I with your I just like being flexible, period, though, at whatever budget. Like, that's a good thing of Sam. You know, I did one day on Oz the Great and Powerful. I played some dumb winky who's tormenting Oz who wants to get in, James Franco. And... Sam shot so much stuff that just not, not didn't get anywhere near the cut. Flies landing on our noses, us going, <laughs> trying to blow the fly off while we're trying to have this conversation, and the fly goes to his nose. And, you know, it just, as, and meanwhile, you know, they're grinding away through a million dollars an hour. Sure. And Sam's going, uh, let's try this now. And as an actor, you've, it's great. That's the way to work. I yeah. really like that. Uh, I actually sent a thing. I don't do this all the time. I sent a note out to Twitter because I know that uh, people really like you and they have a lot of questions. And you've probably answered some of these. So no, let's. let's if you do don't want to, if you don't want to answer any of these, just no, uh, just no. Get in my I've, face I've, an- I've answered them all. You get in my face. You grab me by the scruff and you tell me to. No, I'm going to come up with new answers to the old questions. Okay, this is from uh, at Very Loud Array. What was Bruce's first concert? Wow. Um, embarrassed to say, I'm prob- I'm not really a concert guy. Uh, first music I listened to was uh, The Carpenters. Mm-hmm. And because my dad had a new stereo and you could blow up, the, the headphones had an inflatable top and you could blow that up and it would fit. So you, the headphones would just like stick to your ear. Oh, interesting. And so it was awesome stereo. I didn't care if it was The Carpenters or not. It sounded really good to me. But I've never liked music that uh, made my head hurt in any way. Right. Like in high school, I'd play ACDC during the study hall. We would also be the DJs during study hall. Oh, right. Okay. Where they'd expect you to play music. And they'd put in requests. They'd slip it under the door. You know, kiss or whatever. So I'd put that on and then just put my finger on the turntable for like a minute and just drag it <laughs> to a slow death. It was just awesome. I want to rock and roll. I didn't give him hope. It like give it a little. Nope. Nope. 
And the door to the studio was about four inches thick, which was good because we called them the burnouts. They were all there. Turn that on. What are you doing? And then I'd stop it. And then I had a song called Cornflakes, which was really just stupid music. Right. I don't know who would ever use it or listen to it, but I'd spin that on and let them suck on that for a couple minutes. <laughs> it was awesome. Okay. Uh, let's see. The power of radio, as you know. The, uh, this is from uh, Ray Powers. Describe your ideal snack-drink combo. Snack-drink? Yeah. What's your snacks, snack and drink combo? Wow. Um, there's a, there's a wicked good farmer's market coconut yogurt where there's piles of coconut shards in the yogurt. Okay. And that with any kind of, uh, cookie and hot tea. Okay. This is from, uh, at MD film blog. Bruce, what's it like being a man of such pure sexual force? I lost my virginity at 23. <laughs> so just take that and file that away. It wasn't from lack of trying, but there wasn't a whole lot going on around here. I married the first woman who ever came on to me. Really? Yeah. You, and you're still together? No. Okay. <laughs> but... I learned that that was just a thing. <laughs> it's just a thing that it doesn't happen. mean you marry. You get <laughs> you married. You don't have to marry everybody. Jeez, you seem sort of interested. Let's get married. Yeah. Hey, you're not. Yeah, that's weird. You could have left and you didn't leave. Yeah. Um, Let's do it. I got you a toothbrush. <laughs> Let's move in together. Come on. Uh, okay. Let's see. Uh, what current TV series would you like to appear on if given the opportunity? From at um, Matt Conady. Too late, Mad Men. Too madman. Madman. Oh, you would have been great on. I would love to come through and be a guy. Just a three episode arc, you know. Yes. And just just uh, tear the place apart, fire some people. You'd want to be an ad guy. Oh, tough ad guy sent from uh, the main office to come in and wreak some havoc. Oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah, to fire some people. God, I almost, it's almost worth doing another Mad Men movie. They could do that. Matt Weiner would do it just to have you come in and, and fuck with everyone. Come on, That man. would be amazing. Matt, let's do it. What was it? What, I'm, you know, what, what did you pick up from your dad being an ad guy? And what did you take? What tools did you take into your career? The 300 plus photographs I have of tattoos on people's bodies from Evil Dead. That that's a good thing. Yeah, okay. that's what my dad would have taught me. It's a walking billboard. Right. This is good news. That paint doesn't just wear off, and they don't just put another coat on. You're owning that for a long time. <laughs> so I there's I got a great collection, and I also learned what did I learn from him? Um, he was a billboard inspector, one of the few actual billboard inspectors in the fifties, fifty through fifty three. He was he worked for Chevrolet. And I'm reading a big Henry Ford book where Henry Ford croaked, I think, about 47 for Ford. And my dad started in the business like three years later. So my dad just missed like that Henry Ford era. Sure. But he started, he worked for Chevrolet. And she, the ascension of Chevrolet in the 50s and 60s, they became the number one car. Oh, wow. So he would go into these towns and he worked for Campbell Ewald. And no relation whatsoever. Oh, but that's my weird. dad would reach his hand out, hi, check Campbell, Campbell Ewald. And they figured, oh, well, you're he a must part- be the guy. He's a partner in the company. Yeah. And he would come in to in- inspect all he had from, he had east of the Mississippi was his route. How do you inspect a billboard? What are you looking for? You have to look for, day and night. You look for the, it has to be seen 
because it's Chevrolet, it has to have the best spot in town. You have to be able to see it from both sides of traffic. Sure. It has to have the highest visibility. Uh, he'd come back at night to make sure it was lit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also found out if he told them in advance that he was coming into town, they would move everything all over the place. He he learned, just show up randomly. Hi, how you doing? Oh, oh, check. I will take you around. No, just give me the map where all the where everything is, and I'll see it myself. And he would see that they'd move stuff. It turns out the billboard inspector has a lot of power and inspires fear. He does, in a way. Uh, although uh, he was inspecting one particular billboard and found a farmer who had hung himself with his belt behind the billboard. He's like, yeah, whoa. Putting that this on the farmer road. needs to be out in front, visible from both sides. Yeah. We got to redo this billboard. There's def- <laughs> defects with it. And the sheriff's like, well, wh- what are you doing back there? I'm a billboard inspector. You, you're a what? Oh, yeah. That no one real. believed that. that so he, he got a little bit of trouble every so often. <laughs> he, uh, he, was, he trashed a company car. He had a company car for three years, so he was loaded. He always had money in his pocket. They had a, he had a Necker's knob. It was a knob that would spin on the wheel. So oh. you could literally have one arm around your girlfriend, the Necker's knob. The and neck, you could, oh, necking. Necking, oh, a Necker's knob. God. And then you could turn a full turn with one hand because the knob would spin as you turned the wheel. Sure it would. So he one time trashed a company car. He got behind a truck during a flood. A flood had gone over this bridge. And the trucker in front of him goes, I'll go first and I'll create... A wave, and you stay real close, and we'll get right through this. My dad goes, okay, good idea. It was not, it didn't part the water at all. It created a rooster tail, like five feet tall, went right into the car, flooded the car. He got halfway across the bridge. The car died. Kills the car. He also had a girlfriend in Chicago, and pre-pager GPS, he went everywhere through Chicago. Oh, sure. Oh, I'm in Peoria. Yep, Uh I sure am. And they would catch people lying. It was, it was a pretty interesting thing. He loved it. Loved it. Then he went from that to media buying. You place ads here and there. And he worked his way up to the account executive, like a Don Draper, and then lost the account and got fired. Oh, shit. That's how it happens. Hey, man, it's a tough game. Yeah, get used to it, Charlie. <laughs> You're out on the streets. Fortunately, he came back as an old admin to a company called McCann Erickson, and they were the parent company to where he started at Campbell Ewald. So he got all of his pension. Well, wasn't McCann Erickson in Mad Men? Oh, sure. Yeah. They're still around. Oh, man. It was great. And I was a PA in Detroit, so I took – I went to all the ad agencies, J. Walter Thompson, uh, all the ones that dealt with the car companies. Each, each car company had its own ad agency. They never shared them, which well, would have been very interesting. I mean, listen, if Matt Weiner's listening to the podcast, do you want to audition now for Mad Men – uh, yeah, let me give it a try. It would be something like this. Okay. I- I'm bringing you guys together for this meeting today because the car industry needs to be revamped. We need the Edsel. <laughs> it's a famous Ford name. It's going to be huge. Right? What do you think? Edsel? <laughs> Cut. Uh, yeah, I think we got right. it. All right. Moving yeah, on. Yeah, we, moving on. Yeah, we, we just shot the audition. You're already in the show. Sweet. Now let's bring in those cigarettes and be disrespectful to women and minorities. Oh, you're talking about Henry Ford. Uh, he's got that covered. Oh, does he? Oh, <laughs> wowzer, Bowser. Snakes in your trouser. <laughs> hey, guy. The moguls were all the craziest of the crazy. Of course, because they had no, they weren't tethered to anything, and no one would tell them no. Alcohol. 
is wrong for your body. <laughs> you and all of your alcohol people get away from Ford and your smoking cigarettes, I noticed. You're no good either. But me, I can have a mistress for 30 years. Yes. <laughs> I knew there was something. As I'm reading this book, I'm like going, no way. There's no way he's this clean. It's not going to happen. He's an industrialist. He's got that world at his fingertips. Sure enough, meets hello. And uh, he picked a husband for her so that she could have a normal life. Oh, my God. That's... Which was his driver and bodyguard. Were they? You two look like a wonderful couple. Oh, look, you're married. So was it a sham marriage to disguise or was uh, it? It became a sham marriage pretty damn soon. Or, or were they actually like married? Were they actually like married? They got married, married. Oh my god! Oh, for years. What a puppet master! He was the ultimate puppet master. <laughs> he no was idea. the original Mister Burns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he had uh, he had many people doing his bidding. I didn't know anything about that incident where my boys cracked your skull open in front of my plant. Listen, I'm just a simple car maker. <laughs> I don't know nothing about nothing. I used to ride home in a buggy just 10 years ago. I don't know much about nothing but corn. <laughs> listening to him and listening to Clark Gable not swear the entire time. He's Clark Gable who didn't swear. Exactly. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I don't. This, I, would call, I could talk to you for three more hours. I hope but you that won't accomplish a single thing. It doesn't matter. No. Let's just walk away right now. Right now? Bad Foley. Why do I wear these rings on my feet? Yeah, we can do better than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't even get my shoes off to simulate walking away. This floor doesn't really. No. It's not it, a bad surface. All here right. I, here well, I go. On. This is a podcast. Let's go. Yeah. Right. Okay. Here, but hold on. You hold it there. Okay. Like I'll, so. I'm going to Foley it here. Table, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's lock it down. Uh, footsteps, take one. All right. I'll see you later. See, the, the but, problem is, normally your real foot would be in this, and you would roll. You'd go heel toe. Yeah, that's the problem. Your hands are in your shoes at the yeah, moment, and that's not... The monkey walked out. Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's a simulated situation. Monkeys don't like to wear shoes. Because otherwise, I'd have to actually walk on the table. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? I, let's try it again. Let's try it one more time. Let's try it one more time. Oh, you're actually going to figure this out mm -hmm. now? Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, this is take two. Let's, Hold on. Okay. There's really only one way to do this. You're going to walk on the table? I'm going to walk on the table. Okay, great. Bruce's going to get up on the table. You know what? Good news is it looks pretty sturdy. And his last words were... Yeah. Don't worry, it looks sturdy. I'll just... <laughs> Isidore Duncan. I'll be right there. Let me get my scarf. <laughs> Famous last words. Okay. Bruce Campbell now getting on okay, the... now I can feel it's already going to work. Well, now, now as you're up there, I feel like I need to just make sure that I uh, capture this moment. Uh, you are actually on the table. Okay. Um, so now, now the proper weight distribution... Is correct. I can do the proper heel toe. Yeah, you can do the proper uh, heel toe. All right. Okay, ready? See you later. Go. Wait, listen, just do you hear how the simple. Do it again. Here we go. Nah, I rushed it. Yeah. That's forced. Yeah. Here we go. But that's. But the, yeah. Now let me do a series. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. If you get into a rhythm, you can really get it. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Wow, he's really walking away quietly and confidently. Oh, wait, let me stop because I hear a noise. Okay. <laughs> what was that? Did you hear that? Oh, well. I guess I better... And then... oh, 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 o
He's gone. He fell off the table. <laughs> That's about all I can do with these shoes under this trying circumstances. Listen, I, I, the shoes were the star of that. Yep. Uh, but you played a great supporting role. Thank you. Uh, it was really... This was a wonderful... I could be a detective. You see that heel? I ran that down. Yeah. Let's reboot TJ Hooker. Well, everyone wants Briscoe County to, you know, like I hear a lot of like, let's reboot Briscoe County too while we're at it. No, because my mother would be too mortified. No, why? Because she thought I got hurt every week. Oh. One week she saw an episode. She goes, Bruce, you have got to stop letting them make you do those dangerous stunts. (laughs) I'm like, Mom, what did I do? You rode that horse past that building and grabbed that little girl, and then it blew up as you rode past it? Mm-hmm. What if you dropped that little girl? She's right. I said, Mom, that little girl was an African-American stuntman who was a little person who owned a bar in Van Nuys, California. <laughs> that was a stunt person. And then that was just a long, minute-long pause for her to process that. Well, well what if you dropped that stunt person? <laughs> And then she was worried about... He's worried about the little guy. Did she see, did she see Army of Darkness being like, why did you cut no. your hand off? No, and I off? said, Mom, it wasn't, it wasn't me. Wait a minute. It wasn't me who dropped something that wasn't a girl. <laughs> well, what if they had blown that up, if, even if he'd gotten the little girl? What if they blew that building up? Mom, there's a guy with his button on the trigger. And if, if the guy doesn't get the bar owner from Van Nuys... And he doesn't get him up off the... He's not going to push the button. It's all a lie. Television's all a lie. Oh. I had my wisdom teeth out. I woke up. She had passed out. Oh, no. Yeah. That's so sweet. I got my little boy. Pump. <laughs> She's out. <laughs> so she doesn't get to see anything anymore. She's not seeing Ash versus Evil Dead. It's best to shield not her even from that. Close. Yeah. I'll tell her about episodes. Yeah. And then it's very exciting, Mom. And, and I play a heroic character. That's what mom's going to hear. And at the end, everything's go, oh, great. Finally. Yeah. She loves the fact I can shave as this character, though. I went for seven years on Burn Notice unshaven. She was so disappointed. Well, I mean, that's very unkempt. That was just such a scruffy, unnecessary look. But did you like the show? It was such a scruffy look. <laughs> oh, but the show was good. You're so much better looking than that. <laughs> She doesn't want to hear about playing a I'm, role. You know, I'm glad that never ends because I sometimes think my oh, mom she's is... she's 85. A... It's just still going. So now I just tell her what she wants to hear. I just lie back. My old boyfriend, Henry Ford, used to say, What? <laughs> For 30 years, I was his boyfriend. <laughs> mom, I had no idea. Oh. I thought you were just a secretary over there at the Rouge plant. What? Oh, I, um, oh, I'm old. I don't know. Oh, look at the time. Oh, what That's what it? my mom says. After 10 minutes on the phone, it's, she's the opposite. She's the one. No, she's, most, most mothers are like, you never call. So whenever I call, she goes, oh, hi. Hey, so what's going on? Not much. It's been so nice of you to call. <laughs> like, with, oh, are, are we done? Yes, Don. Oh, okay. All right, Mom. All right, I'll see ya. <laughs> like Don, yeah. I got a brother, Don. Hey, I guess she thought I sounded like Don. All hey, right, what are you heck? gonna do? But she always doesn't want to hold me up. Well, I'll let you go. That, that's how she ends it. I'll let you go. That's really sweet. She, like, hang up is what she means. Is stop talking to me. I know, but she's making it seem like it's because she, you know. Yeah, but she should you. just say, save herself the trouble. Yeah. I'm done talking to you. Well, I'm sure she's listening to this podcast. It's time she learned the truth. 
Mom, don't listen to this because this podcast will make you pass out. Yeah. Because because of how badly I've been treated on this show. But while you're don't, at it, don't listen get to back this. on your phone game. Improve your phone game. <laughs> I told her for you so you didn't have to. Well, you sure did. <laughs> President Reagan again. He slips in. <laughs> Funny thing is, I had imitated Reagan for years with my buddy John Cameron, who produces the show. We went to high school together. And then all my formative, my kids were born and raised in the Reagan era. Yeah. And, well, I mean, there were, he was on television all the time. There was no way to not imitate Ronald Reagan. The trick is on Fargo was to not do a hokey imitation. Sure. He used to, well, dig deep, find the, find the real Dutch. Who who's in there? By the end of his presidency, it was just like, well, I um, no best one, the best one. He's standing in front of a wall because I watched a bunch of footage, of course, to get ready. And there's a wall of of uh, press just hammering him. Hey, what are you gonna do about this? What are you gonna do about that? And he and he keeps going. Ah, well, we uh, well, and Nancy's like one foot away. She goes, we're doing everything we can. <laughs> and a beat later, he goes, we're doing everything we can. And now that he had his line, he could deliver it with, with good knowledge. And he had jokes. He always told a joke, usually a Russian joke, before his speeches. There are uh, uh, three dogs. There's an American dog, a, a Russian dog, and a, and a Polish dog. And, well, the American dog knows that uh, if, if he barks, well, he's going to get meat. And the Polish dog says, what's meat? And the Russian dog says, What's bark? <laughs> he would always get a cheap shot at the Russians. Had to do it. Three guys in a Russian jail. One guy says to the other one, well, what are you in here for? He says, I voted for Slonsky. Oh, look at the second guy. What are you in here for? I voted against Slonsky. They turn to the third fellow. What are you in here for? He says, well, I'm Slonsky. <laughs> anyway, we're at war. Anyway, here we go. And Away we go. We're at nuclear war now. And we'll start bombing in five minutes. <laughs> anyway, anyway, this Polish fellow. No, Mr. President, please, <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> but smart guy brought his Hollywood tailors yeah, right? to the presidency, wouldn't you? Of course. Luigi, come on, straighten him up a little bit. You know what bumps out in the back when I sit over and when they put a microphone on me? You got to give me a little extra groove there, will you? Look good. Got to look good. Right. Haircut every two weeks. Yeah, he's got he's got everything. Got to be headshot. You want to look like a president? Haircut every two weeks. So when are you going to be president? No way. I don't no, know. Too horrifying. I I tweeted. I now realize nothing nothing political ever ever on any feed of mine. I did something about the riots in London. Like I said something like, you know. Way to wreck a thousand year old city, you jerks! And, yeah. and some guy immediately, oh, it's two thousand years old. Oh, and right. then, oh, 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 you're wrong. It wasn't in Manchester. Oh, the right it was in Ringo. Over here. Yeah, <laughs> well, Ringo complained too. <laughs> oh, he did. Yeah, he didn't like how I was taking on his city. So within seconds, it went. It went from thinking I was helping whoever right. actors think they're helping uh, to. You way you, fucked you, that up. You suck. You're so stupid. That's the most ignorant thing I've ever said. I went, okay. <laughs> I like to hike, and here's some sunsets. Oh, and uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. Riots are awesome. How dare you? Oh, I don't want to just tell my me. mother was killed by a riot. Please just tell me what to say to not anger you. Yeah, man. So no way. Please, no rage. No way. Well, uh, you are the people's Cary Grant, and it thank is, you very much. It is wonderful to have you on. And that actually, I did. 
You would never remember this, but years ago, in the first year of the podcast, I was at a Wizard World in Chicago, uh, and I happened to be there, and I saw you in the, uh, I saw, there was this green room where everyone was just kind of eating, mm. and I said, hey, I started a podcast, and I'd love to have you on, and I, bo- I did the thing you shouldn't do, which I bother you while you're eating, and you're like, my info's on the website. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I think you know how to contact me, kid. <laughs> Info's on the website. I go Clark Gable if I don't What's know. What's a website? What's a website? <laughs> what is a wizard world? Is it a world run by wizards? <laughs> What's a Patrick Stewart? Uh, he's, hey. he's a sitcom guy now. Yeah, he is. Blunt Talk. Blunt Talk's great. Well, see, Stars is expandarandering. They're, uh, they're becoming a full-fledged dealio. You gotta. So you gotta have a sitcom. Gotta have a sitcom. Well, nope, still no can't. vaudeville, though. No vaudeville. Well, Who's on first? Or variety show. Come on, stars variety show. Let's do it. They'll sink like a stone. You and me. We'll, we'll take that genre down together. You and- <laughs> we'll make sure it's crushed for another 30 years. 30 minutes of live Foley. No, better yet, let's do a really expensive Western. Okay. If you want to fully kill that for another decade. I Let's do it. Let's just go dive bomb as many genres as we possibly can. But Clint got away with it because he always he'd shoot his movies in four days. So there was no, it just was... It bef- never cost too much. Never cost too much. Before anyone could say anything, it was done. Done. Yeah, we already shot that. Oh, sorry, moving on. <laughs> uh, let me remove this gravel. <laughs> you know why it's so squinty? because of the ASA of the film stock back then. What? It's like 64. The guys had a, these reflective boards like an inch from your face. So if, hell yeah, he was squinting. Oh, because they were yeah, beaming a, the sun into his eyeballs. Craggy, yeah, from Nassau, directly into his eyes. Yeah. Damn. Terrible. But it worked. Yeah, look at him now. <laughs> he's washed up. <laughs> like an hour ago, he had the biggest hit he's ever had in his life. <laughs> uh, that's a <laughs> ah, but yeah, fuck that guy. Come on. Huh, <laughs> He's over the hill. He's done. Never going to (laughs) work. I, Bruce Campbell, will never work with Clint fucking Eastwood. Clint the squint. Come on. Move on, Clint. There's a new sheriff in town. (laughs) I'm sure he's worried up there in Carmel. Uh, Should I buy another golf course or not? I don't know. I haven't decided. I just they feel lucky, Mr. Was, Real Estate Man. There was a disturbance in the force. Was someone talking ill of me? Can't help the squint. He's pretty gravelly at this point. A friend of mine co-wrote The Rookie. Oh, really? Yeah, and they said the first draft they turned in, he got killed at the end. The executives did the classic spit take. They were like, oh, don't show that to Clint because he'll like that. Oh. Oh, don't, no, no, no. You're not going to kill Clint. You're going to maim him. Whatever you want to do. Wing him. Wing him. He gets winged. They, they like it. They get like winged, but wing him in the upper arm because yeah. be, that way you'll see You'll it see the bicep. The shot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got winged. They love that, but don't kill him. Yeah. I'll tell you what. We're going to wing him, but then we're just going to blind him uh, with, the, with the bounce card so that he's not going to even know what's happening. Good point. So it's all fine. I'm leaving your studio. Will you please t- say enjoy your burrito, everyone? That's how we end our podcast. Enjoy a burrito, everyone. The end. Sounds like a horse. <laughs> I'll race you! Oof!
You will get finally, thankfully, you'll get fired because of this podcast. Because people go, I realized an hour into it, this was not going to conclude. <laughs> well, now an hour seventeen of the Bruce Campbell Mega Podcast. I'll never forget. And then Sam Raimi did something really funny. Those days are not that far away. <laughs> no, they are. Oh, yes, they are, sadly. Well, 30 years in, actually, the funny thing is you uh, do go to a meeting now and everyone is seven. Oh, that's true. It's like the, they're all wearing like their parents' clothes <laughs> behind the desk. <laughs> Rings are falling off when they gesticulate. This didn't test well in Pacoima. Uh, it needs a younger audience. <laughs> Where's my Capri Sun? All right, you're greenlit because green is pretty. I'm going to work for Capri Suns from now on. You finally, now I figured out this town. I, didn't, I was short on Capri Suns. I yeah. should have come in with it. You come in with your Capri Suns. Cherry Sons. flavored. Oh, green light, green light. Anything you want. Anything you want. Your own trailer? We'll own this town. I'm leaving your studio now. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Eight times. Look, we can put the dog out. Will you please uh, sign our guest book? Your Wookiee book. And then we'll... Two-second imitation of, of Peter Mayhew please, at, at a convention, his Q&A. Mr. Mayhew, was it hot in that outfit? Well, yes, as you can imagine, it uh, very, very hot, yes. Can, can you do the Wookiee sound? Oh, I don't... Um... Actually, do the Wookiee sound. That's uh, an engineer does the Wookiee sound. Well, thank you. <laughs> this concludes the Peter Mayhew panel. Thank, thank you for coming. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.